Hello, Acapella Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Talk Acapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Alexander, and joining me as always is... Alicia Edwards. Alicia, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm super excited about the guests that we have today, but I also kind of feel like I'm unworthy to be in their presence because of how <laughs> really talented they are. I am so with you. We are often intimidated by a lot of our guests, but today's well, guests especially. And I'm like, Come on. Feel like there's so much we can learn from them. Speaking for myself, I know there's a lot I can learn from them just because they're talent and what they specialize in is so not what I am good at. I think we should definitely pick up a few tips from them today. So let's meet today's guests. Joining us today, we have members from the Boston Sings executive team. We have Alexander Kuzukis and Emily Flanders. How are you all doing today? You know, we're, we're good. We just finished <laughs> Boss. Everything's great. Right. A, a big sigh of relief, I'm assuming. I was going to say, I can only breathe. imagine. Yeah, it, it happened. Yeah. There were no crises. People were there. The shows were great. That's about as much as you can ask for. No fires to put out, hopefully. And tons of awards, tons of great music. So I'm mm -hmm. jealous. And I've been planning one of these years, once everything goes back to normal, I'm going to make a trip to Boston to come and attend this event because it's been on like my acapella bucket list. I've been to Boston one time okay. years ago. I've been to Boston uh, a few times. There's so much history there and I love it. And knowing mm -hmm. that this is there, that's another reason to visit. It's a good excuse. And where are you guys based out of? I'm in Somerville, Massachusetts, which is like just outside, just north of Boston. And it's typically where we've been holding Boss for the last few years because it's my neighborhood and Somerville is cheaper than Boston in a lot of ways for venues and there's more accessibility. We can get a bunch of space at Tufts University to like hold classes. Can you tell us both individually about your background in music and then how did each of you get involved with the CASA event team? I don't even know where to start. <laughs> my mom's side of the family had some professional musicians or music teachers so when I was growing up I was exposed to piano and I played saxophone for like nine years or something and always was singing from high school, I was in a jazz choir where I like learned about some contemporary acapella. When I was in high school, that, that meant that like you go on LimeWire or something, <laughs> you know, yes. labeled as the Tufts Beelzebubs or the Brown Derbies or Rockapella and no other groups exist. Right. But you know that those weren't all accurate. In high school, I saw the Beelzebubs perform and I was like, I want to do that. And coincidentally, then I got into Tufts and joined the Bubs the first week and never looked back. And now it's my job. So acapella, producer, I'm half of Plaid Productions with Alex Green, but record, edit, mix, produce acapella all the time. I can't get away from it. And then you yeah, wouldn't want to. I was going nice. to save, I was going to, I was going to save myself there. You know, sometimes there are good days and bad days. Right. Just listening to this, it, it sounds like to many people, they say that you're living like the dream right there. I feel like I kind of fell into it in some ways because of being in the bubs and having access to people like Ed Boyer and Bill Hare from my formative days. That's the crowd that I was around and that was like the aesthetic I was being exposed to and I was surrounded by really advanced and qualified and exceptional people. I didn't go to a CASA festival until I was out of college because I'm so the, surprised bubs to hear are, that. the bubs are always about like performing as much as possible mm -hmm. and not competing and traveling everywhere and it just wasn't really on our radar. Okay. The Northeast is kind of insular as it is in terms of acapella culture. So, you know, I met people at the end of my college experience and like learned about festivals. And then as soon as I was out of school, I went to my first So Jam and then I went to basically every festival that Casa produced for the next, I don't even know how many years it's been at this point, but basically like it's been a decade of 
teaching at festivals and it was pretty quick from going to SoJam to Dave Spur and Dio being like, hey, we're going to start a festival in Boston if you want to be involved. And that's where we are. Okay. So you made up for it after the collegiate years for sure. Yeah. Heavy investment to <laughs> make up for all my wrongs. Good way to put it. How about you, Emily? Can you shed some light on your background for us? Yeah. Well, my grandmother was an opera singer. My parents both sang in choirs and at church and all those kinds of things. And I was immensely privileged in that I was able to have a lot of piano lessons and voice lessons throughout time. I went to an arts camp. And the first time I think I got bit by the acapella bug, I sung acapella music, but we did a contemporary acapella piece at my arts camp at Interlochen in Michigan. And I will just say it was just sort of something I loved. I just really, really loved the fact that we were able to do really interesting things with our voices. And so when I got to college, I sang with the Washington University Amateurs, really just they were my family. I continued singing in choirs and those sorts of things as well. But a lot of people joke that their acapella group is like joining a fraternity or a sorority. And I would certainly <laughs> say that mine was very similar to joining an all gender fraternity or sorority, in, except that I didn't have to pay for anything, nice. which was lovely. And I, unlike Alexander, was not in a group that tons of people knew about necessarily. So I really kind of found my way into the more, the greater acapella community via this thing called the forums, which I'm sure lots of people talked about. I was following and I get my hands on as many albums as I could possibly get. I was hungry. I really, really, really wanted to be part of the community. And so when I finished college, my very close friend, Sarah Yud, told me to email Amanda Newman. And I asked her if she had any work for me and she had me producing for Varsity Vocals. And I got my own region and I ended up moving to Boston. And the very first weekend that I was in Boston, there was a Swingles concert Ooh, taking place nice. at Boston Symphony Hall. And it was, I mean, I didn't realize it, what it was going to be. I just purchased just tickets because I wanted to see them, but it was a veritable who's who of the acapella community. And we all went to a restaurant afterward and I got to meet a whole lot of people. Uh, it turned out that Claire Wheeler and I bonded so much that night that she ended up staying at my house for like a week what? after <laughs> the event. Awesome. I mean, that sort of, that is, that was my introduction to the community in Boston. And as a result of that, I got to know more and more and more people and eventually became involved with Boss because someone had asked me, you know, they were like, I know that you, you produce shows and you've done a lot of like organizational things, would you be interested in working on a competition? And I said, yes, but only if I could make it different and only if I could do something that no one had tried before. And it was really, really fortunate that I had a team that supported that. So I love, yeah, I love that's that. sort of how we landed where we are today. I love that. That is so awesome. And, and first and foremost, shout out to Claire, former guest of the show. We love yeah. her hair. And secondly, I have a question just because you brought it up. You mentioned your group in back in college being a, kind of a fraternity, sorority kind of thing. Did you guys? Well, we weren't. No, we were very well behaved. Um, okay. You already knew I where know, I was I mean, going I, here. I don't disclaimer. know where you were going, but I should preemptively say when I was in college, mm -hmm. we were maybe known as the group of not entirely non-drinkers, but we weren't like party animals or anything okay. like that. I think we were more music nerdy. Someone once in a RARB review or maybe it was somewhere else had said something about like, why do the amateurs always have to have a soprano desk cant? And I was like, because we can <laughs> kind of situations. So <laughs> they were my family. I mean, more mm -hmm. just that I found a community of people that were like-minded and thoughtful and also incredibly interesting in their backgrounds. I don't think I would have found these people in school if it had not been for this unifying force of acapella music. That actually is a motivating piece of why I do what I do in this community, because I know what it means to bond with people. I know what it means to build something that's greater than the sum of its parts and to learn life skills mm -hmm. from running a group 
from creating music with other people. And so that is sort of central. I don't mean to dismiss fraternities or sororities for their work. Oh, no, I think course. if you're yeah. thinking of like the best version of what community can be or creating a group of people that don't necessarily have anything in common, that's sort of where I was going with that. You were like, oh, parties. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, 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 of course not. I, it's, all I, about, I, it's all about community. I that's... figured you all were very stand-up individuals, of course. And I was just curious because Did I know, you know a lot of groups have traditions. Well, most of them. <laughs> I was going to say most of we them. We like to have a frolic. Have I've been a to a frolic. few ICCA events where the after parties were insane. Come on. We'll so where on. are you from, if that's the case? Because, <laughs> no, really, there it really varies region to region. Well, I live in Texas now. I went to school at the University of North Texas. So we, okay. the one year that our group competed, we were in the South region. And we traveled to Georgia. And it was a pretty wild party there one year. <laughs> I'll just say that. I won't mention any group name. Had a good frolic. Oh, yeah, of course. It was fun. You know what? Whenever we bring up these old memories, it's a story that always comes. Memories. I can't say I've ever been to an ICCA after party. Well, they don't allow that at BYU, I'm sure. Well, we went to California, so... Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, but you still had to sign the honor code. That's true. I did. I was also a second year grad student, so I guess I could have just done whatever I wanted to. I I was more mature than my freshman counterparts. So, let's talk boss. Boss, or Boston Sings, is a three-day acapella festival that is presented by CASA. I'm really interested in what your take is on this, Alexander, because it sounds like you've been around since the inception of this event. Can you tell us some of the history behind it, how long it's been around, what inspired it, and I'm curious, why Boston? Emily has also been around since the very first year, and in her position that has also grown, I started on the team as... I don't even know if I had a defined role at the time. We were like all producers, so to speak. There were a few of us who were just kind of like, we're the producers of the festival. And I would say technically it started the year before, which would have been 2011 at Syracuse University as SMAC, the Social Media and Acapella Conference. I've heard that Um, name before. Okay. So that was the like brainchild of Meg Alexander and Nicole, formerly Milano. Some of the kids in... The Syracuse groups got some funding, invited a bunch of groups, reached out to as many people as they could find, brought us all to Syracuse for a weekend. Headliners for that festival included Noda and Sonos or Aurora. There was some really cool stuff that happened that weekend. That was where Alex Green and I did our first collaborative recording. We were Pod Productions, but like we were getting started by, we're like, Hey, Christopher Diaz and Sonos, sing some stuff on these tracks that we kind of prepared, but like didn't really prepare. It's just going to happen. Just trust us. I love it. And so all of the lights came out of that. But that was like the start of us being part of a festival. So Meg, after that, moved to Boston. She was approached by Dave Sperandio. This conversation I kind of remember happening in his kitchen after SoJam that year, where he was like, hey, we're going to start a festival in Boston. It's going to be moved there. Meg's going to be in charge. Do you want to do, do, do it? I was like, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. It was like... Very formal invitation there. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was just as sketchy as it sounds. That was kind of the point. We were very grassroots, scrappy. There hadn't been a festival in Boston for 10, 20 years at that point. There used to be the, I don't know, Northeast Acapella Summit happened a couple times. I think that would be like the predecessor to all of this. But Smack became Boss. 
I was part of the producer's team at the beginning. We had a blind submission to create some logos. Like we were looking for a logo and like looking for stuff like that. I submitted a couple designs. The team didn't know they were me. They chose my designs anyway. (laughs) And so that means that like part of my roles for a long time were like graphic design and like handling social media stuff. And we all just did a lot of things. And once Meg moved up the chain with Casa for a while into development and like other festival stuff, I was asked to apply and take over as executive producer. So that's been eight years, nine years. I don't know. Boss is pretty old and I'm also pretty old. (laughs) Facts are facts, Alexander. Facts are facts. We don't talk age on the show. Yeah. And you both look extremely young. And the viewers will never know you're wrong. (laughs) Good point. As I mail you $30. (laughs) For for you, Emily, what are some of the things that you remember from those early days about Boston scenes? Because just the way I'm hearing about it from Alexander here, man, it just, it feels so different from a lot of the inceptions of other events I've heard about. Yeah. Well, it's sort of funny because I remember our first calls and no one now would ever believe that this was true but i don't think i talked very much on those early calls i I probably didn't speak at all because i didn't have to right and now i i am required like legally required to speak yeah like legally okay contractually (laughs) obligated like i make you sign something no i think it's interesting because i was so I don't want to say intimidated because that's probably the wrong word. I was very confident that I was the right person to run the competition for this festival. And I was confident in my ideas, which the first year were definitely toned down quite a bit, not just by me, but by other people on the team. But it it felt more like that first year when we all really didn't have titles, I was supposed to come up with a competition. And I think it just sort of felt like we were throwing things against the wall and seeing what stuck. Um, Yeah, we often would get together the night of the calls. Like, a bunch of us in the well, Boston area. You did? Okay, well, Ow. so sorry. Oh. Whoops. I was new. I was, I was I'm, new. I shouldn't say then that we like ordered pizza and all sat around like one phone on speaker. It was no, the greatest time ever. But what was really neat was that I remember Meg asking me if I would be interested in running the competition and knowing how many people probably also wanted to do that. But she said, I think you're the right person for the job. And so I immediately called Amanda Newman because I took myself far too seriously. I mean, I still do. But I was like, okay, I've been asked to do this other competition. I'm not going to make it anything like Farsi vocals, but is it okay? And she's like, I do not care. Lindsay already runs so jam. Like this is not a big deal. But out of that, because I so very much was taking it seriously that it not be something that had done before, I came up with what Casa actually uses now for all of the festivals, this idea of themed rounds which was that we would have themes for each round. And I also, that first year, came up with the idea that we would eliminate people in these themed rounds. Very stressful. Anyone who knows me knows immediately that that does not fly in an Emily sort of mind. (laughs) The very first year, we had groups from around the country wanting to be a part of it. They were really excited. And the first round, we ended up having to eliminate this incredible group from Oregon who had a backloaded set. Oh, no. So their first song was not their favorite. And I hated the way that felt (laughs) Mm -hmm. so much. That we never did it again. Wow, so one and done. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's yeah. an impossible situation because yeah. the judges don't know it's coming right, and the judges exactly. are like, well, the thing we just saw was unfortunately the least good of the things that we also saw. Right. That's the only way to look at it because yeah. for us, it's always been like, if you get into the competition, that's a big deal. You yes. did a lot to get there. The first year, I think we had so many applicants. I just remember being on the call with the judges and they were nitpicking and they were sort of like, well, can we just let all the groups in? And I was, we, we can't. And it was our very first year. And it was like, how is this possible? So many people want to be a part of it. But I think it was because we were at the genesis of these early people who are starting to be real 
names in the community. I mean, Plaid had just sort of started with you and Ace. I call Alex Green Ace, sorry. So if you that <laughs> shorthand, I call him Ace. Gotcha. Um, you and Ace had just started being a thing. Like Meg was getting pretty well known in the acapella community. I knew people from the Midwest and Great Lakes because I had been producing there for a while. It was this beautiful microcosm. We had all the people from Florida that first year who were on our team too. It was just really mm-hmm. exciting. And it was a lot of people who wanted to think outside the box in creating something that wasn't going to be a replica of anything else that existed. And we were really lucky that a bunch of groups wanted to come along with us that first year. And we got to tap into Boston groups who hadn't had yes. a place to express themselves in unusual ways. We got the Midwest reach. We had Southern groups. It drew from everywhere, even in the first year. Some of our earliest winners were the Nor'easters, Voices in Your Head. Yeah, Voices got first, Nor'easters got second the very first year. But they've all come back at some point. Like, there have been moments from these shows everybody can still reference years later and groups who've come back because they're like, well, we didn't win and we need to win. Which, (laughs) you know, not the most important thing in music, but I understand (laughs) where they're coming from. Yeah, I'm really proud that our festival has been able to be a springboard for a lot of really creative, really interesting groups and also really creative, interesting, like, individual minds that Mm -hmm. are able to express. I mean, even if you don't win at Boss, getting into the competition is winning and being able to express yourself in a really weird way. Perhaps it's not necessarily, you know, the most musical or perhaps it's not necessarily the most creative or whatever. Even if you don't place, there are people who are then like, I love this arrangement. I want to get this. I want to hire this person to do my group's next arrangement. And it's it's been really quite a privilege that they trust us with their work. Yeah, I feel like in a lot of the circles, uh, my acapella circles, when we're talking a lot about really in- innovative arrangements and really cool things that just stay out in our head we get a lot of that from the boss events at the end of the day because i, I think like you're saying the, the format just lends itself to producing some really great works and just hearing actually the kind of the background about the the early years of the event i was just always curious i'm like why doesn't acapella have that kind of elimination style thing for one event you know i know that icca of course they have you know quarterfinals semifinals but there's like no event where it's like a cutting block here well, or chopping block so, and it's just so jam and laugh still do it right do they sometimes i yeah, think sometimes. there's variation like yeah. they borrowed the format sometimes they go further with it or do less with it depends on the number of groups we just felt so sad cutting groups off who had more music to sing that's sort of what it came down to at that point i adore that alexander every year when i come to him with our list of groups that we always ask our judges for like flex groups so we'll, okay. we'll come up with an idea of how long we want the show to be with how long we've told the groups that they have to create music and i'll come to alexander with my flex groups and i'm like okay how long can we possibly have this show because we want more music <laughs> and every time alexander is like well emily we can't have a six hour long show what no one wants <laughs> Because the venue, it really just comes down to the venue. They're like, well, you have to be out at midnight. We're like, okay, well, can we start earlier? It's like, well, you're certain you're paying for a certain amount. Okay. I I was about to say, I feel like we just need like at least a good two solid nights of just as many groups as you can throw in, you know, if possible. This is all really exciting, Mm -hmm. but I think we need to go to commercial. I have an inkling. (laughs) Well, you are spot on. You're reading our minds here today. And just like Emily said, you know, we're going to go to commercial here, but don't go anywhere because we're going to continue speaking with the members of the boss executive team, Alexander and Emily, right here on acapella that i love that want to learn from the best you should check out acapella masterclass where professionals at the top of their field show you how they became the best and how you can too learn from award-winning experts like Kristen dennehy lisa forgish trinfris roundsfeld aaron jensen blake lewis and more we discuss topics like arranging barbershop beatboxing composition looping social change and things of the like go to acapellamasterclass.com to learn all the details acaville 
helping you be the best acapella musician you can be. Welcome back to Tacapella. Wow. We're here with Alexander Kutsukas and Emily Flanders, and they're here to talk about Boston Sings and myriad other things. Oh my gosh. That was great. <laughs> That's right. We've just been having just this fantastic conversation with Alexander and Emily, and I am floored with that voice that Emily brings out. <laughs> I talked about really early on in the show the sheer level of talent that we have here tonight, mm -hmm. and... <laughs> That's just another thing that I didn't know that I'm amazed Talents by. and parlor tricks. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I will record your outgoing voicemail if you would like it. I'm here for it. Done. Anything you need. Done. You, you, and Alexander will have to take care of it in post. Because, you, might, you, know, you might regret siblings. volunteering yourself for that. Earlier before the break, we were talking a little bit about how the Boss Festival started. And Emily, you were saying that when you were brought in, you were asked to run the competition and, and you said you wanted to do what nobody else had done before. We were talking about innovation and I'm curious as to how that has affected the culture of Boss. And is that still something that you do today where you're trying to kind of push the boundaries and do things that are new? I feel like that's really something that makes that festival stand out. Yeah, when I used to write in college, and I always say this as an example, I wrote poetry, some terrible, some fine, <laughs> but I, I frequently would use form as a guide that I could then break like I wrote a lot of what I referred to as like rebel sonnets where I would write in a sonnet form and then I would break the form to serve the writing in the editing process it's interesting when people talk about boss as this sort of like you can do anything you want because I think and I don't want to I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Alexander, you certainly are more entrenched in this than I am. But I think we have the most rules and the most specific requirements of almost any competition out there. We have the weirdest themes and the so sort of like more than most, but it's are, what you are choose they rules to do. Or, right. So yeah, like, exactly. is, there, is it a rule or is it a, you know, a suggestion line. of how to <laughs> yes. guide your... Exactly. And right. that's the intention is that we create a space in which you have a challenge and then you can either rise to the challenge or we always create space for what folks have referred to as shoehorning which is if you have music in your arsenal you're able to find a way to sort of shoehorn that music in i just found out recently that two of my favorite boss performances ever were both shoehorn performances and i couldn't believe it like i really thought that they just arranged and like ran with the theme and i was like no no no, no. we looked it up and we figured out what music we had and then we tied it together yeah um, i think it's it's totally valid to be able to like reinterpret songs that you are were already performing some of that creativity looking at the themes and looking at the suggestions and being like well this is how we would feel about this and this is how we feel about this song so here's how we're going to interpret it through the different mm -hmm. lens that's such exactly. a fascinating point because i'm thinking of like other competitions and how groups they create from scratch all these amazing songs and the performances and things like that when really they probably already have a song or two that really they just need to fine tune and this is interesting to kind of hear that you guys are talking about hey you know the shoehorning aspect of it all and things like that I feel like there's a couple sides of it like in, yeah. in ICCA a lot of the time you have 12 minutes some groups just sing three songs or sing four songs mm -hmm. and then some groups come up with a concept and they tie a few songs together they pay an arranger or they arrange themselves this total Totally connected, totally like through storytelling just within the 12 minutes because they had the concept themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we're coming from the other side where we're like, here are some concepts you could work with. And now you have to figure out how to tell your story through that. Maybe it's going to be split up into two smaller stories. Maybe it's going to be one longer performance, but it's the other side of it where it's playing a game that like we have created the playing field and they have to move their own pieces around it. I think that that ultimately, we hope the aspiration there is that we are opening up space for more creativity by moving the lens closer 
so that then you can choose how to bring it out. And and I think that that is a really good way to think about it because I'll give a really simple example. One year we had an ekphrastic theme where you were supposed to take a piece of art and create music and a set focused around that piece of art. And I gave the example of if you wanted to go with something like Warhol, there are 45 different ways of approaching that. You could do an entire set about cans of soup, if you wanted. You could do a set about 15 minutes of fame. You could do a set that sort of follows Warhol's life through any point to another point. You could go Edie Sedgwick in there. You could, there are all of these different directions. You could take literally anything. You could also do a set that just merges, like take one song and then use different colors for each, like take that version of things and, and, and shift that. There are all of these different ways to approach a theme like this one. And I am always thrilled because our groups never go the direction I think that they're going to. There was a group that did a set entirely about emoji. Wow. <laughs> and they, they, Who they, would have thought? Some groups really that, take yeah. it to the next level and like they make props, they build props, mm-hmm. they figure out how to fly them with them on the plane to Boston mm-hmm. and they show up at the back door of the stage and they're like, we have these pieces that will become this like six by 12 foot screen. <laughs> and we're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for um, proving that I'm not crazy because I'm like, I could have sworn I've seen that somewhere, but I have not been able to find that video. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, some of the groups, it's next level creativity. They built multiple walls and they figured out how to break them down and store them in everybody's suitcases to rebuild them once they got wow. to Boston. That's amazing. And we I mean, never know what's going to happen and we'll always encourage it. Yes, always encourage it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am always loosely terrified when a group says, okay, so what are the exact dimensions of the stage and are we allowed to <laughs> jump off it? What is um, fire code? What, what is, is happening? Fire- yeah, exactly. Like entrances, can I enter? from above is it how about pyrotechnics yeah and that's almost always going to be a no in boston let me tell you it costs thousands and thousands of dollars to have a candle at a wedding so we will not be having any fire (laughs) Cirque de soleil or something what are we right and then you have a group like voice box they all they ask for all lights down and they changing color lit their faces across in like various timings across the stage while they were singing a song one of my favorite sets ever was the pitch please set they chose oh, to do a yes. set that focused mm-hmm. on feminism. And they've been to Boss a few times. I love that group from the bottom of my heart. And they did this set that was I Can't Make You Love Me that centered with a light on a singular soloist for the majority of the entire piece. It was stunning. And then at the end, when the lights and the, the, the spots were brought back up, we were seeing members of their group with words that they have been called by other people. And they're, you know, facing the back of the stage, but they're written on their backs, on their bare backs as these images of this is what we do to young women. This is what we do to people with these words that we call people. And, and it was, it was incredibly powerful, but it was also this really lovely thing that I'm not really sure outside of Boss would have necessarily been possible. We are really lucky that we have lighting designers that are willing to work with us, but also that we've never advertised as a family-friendly show. We've never really said, that this is something and in fact when we get emails from people that are like my middle schooler loves pitch perfect we're like come to the pro showcase we're like the professional concert is probably guaranteed acceptable yeah we're not always sure because the college or scholastic crowd is always going to be willing to push boundaries and asking us what they can do to get their message out yeah because i was going to say like you guys are talking about here i feel like there is a certain maybe not a certain audience maybe it's not the best way to put it but for that scholastic competition it's not for 
for everyone at the end of the day, like you're saying, and you said it's not family friendly, but it pushes the boundaries in a way that, you know, true acapella fans or people that are really looking for something creative and inventive will really appreciate. And I don't, I don't know necessarily that my grandparents or the student that's walking down a corridor or whatever would really See, just get something like that. But I don't know. That's just my opinion. I, I would know. push back against that because I think that as a collective society, mm -hmm. we are interested in the interesting. And I think that while we never know what's going to happen, we have had high school groups compete at Boss. It is a scholastic competition for a reason. So high schoolers are absolutely welcome. There's never anything that is obscene because ultimately we're creating art and we're doing something that creates space for people to experiment. And I think that there are plenty of artists, if we think in every single generation, where that's appealing to the masses, right? I mean, if you think about Prince, if you think about Lady Gaga, if you think about Madonna, if you think about like some of the things. And I think we've had people say, oh, can I wear this at Boss? Yes, you can wear this at Boss. I don't care what you wear because <laughs> every pop star has worn something else oh, yeah. and every experimental right. like, this is not what i mean more is that you might see something you've never seen before, but you're certainly going to see something that you will enjoy. And so I do okay. think Boss is for everyone. I think that expanding minds is for everyone. And certainly the festival and the educational offerings are definitely yeah. for everyone. Oh, for we sure. Work really hard on it's always just like if you have a young child who maybe you don't know what they're prepared for or if you're like, <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's a matter of being like, we can confidently say the professional concert is a family show. It's directed at everybody. These groups have performed thousands of times. The scholastic competition is kind of a wild card. We don't always know what the sets are going to be. We know it's going to be probably progressive and very advanced thinking. It's going to be, could just be fun, could be weird, could be unusual, could just be like something that we don't know. The groups don't know. They want to try something different. And so it's not going to be pitch perfect on stage necessarily. There could be one or two groups like that. There could be one or two groups that are like, we you know, Spoken Word had a, a very strong showing <laughs> for sorry. a number of years. I'll go on record. It was a I'm prompt. so sorry. It's okay. Really we got good Spoken Word, though. Mix, we got Lark, we got the Vaster Devils set that every, oh, everybody yeah. talks about. Those all came from prompts at the Boss Scholastic Competition. And those are things that are leaving their mark for years, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody who wants to see an acapella show, quote unquote, with their kids or grandparents is looking for that kind of acapella show. Right. It, it's safe to say that it's, Boss is not going to be your traditional run-of-the-mill, what you normally expect to get at the end of the day. You all provide a space. But it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible, as we've seen from thousands of views on YouTube and everything. But you all allow the performers, you give them the space to operate in a way that's going to allow them to express themselves in the best possible way when it comes to the music and the prompts and things like that and it sounds like mm -hmm. you guys in terms of the prompts because that's something like you said it's not something that you get at really hardly any other competition that you get prompts in this creative direction you guys just pretty much provide like the boundaries I guess or you set the guidelines and be like hey just run with it and you step back pretty much is what yeah. I picked up perfect yeah I mean yeah. groups get to learn what the themes of the year are once they've essentially submitted their video to apply to us Okay. And then they have, you know, usually a couple months to work with an arranger, work with their groups to sort of figure out what they want to do with it. And all we've done at that point is we've provided some ideas and some seeds 
and they decide how they want to grow their idea. You know, you have anywhere from four minutes to 12 minutes. You can split it up into two sections if you want to. You know, there's a lot of leeway with it. And and at, at that point, once we sort of know what they're doing, then we'll set a show order and run with it. But we won't even have seen anything. And I would also just say, if there's anyone listening that is interested in being part of the competition, that like every single year there is a group that just finds out that there's a competition in Boston and they don't have all of this information. And so I don't want anyone to be intimidated or feel like, oh, I have to be very dramatic or very artsy. That's certainly not what we are here to do. We are just here to let groups explore and create. Another one of my favorite sets, I was actually just thinking about this the other day, Alexander, because this is the festival that I missed the competition because I was in the hospital. I made it through most of sound checks, but Reverb did in the same set, this really beautiful piece about bullying where they use a coat rack, I think what it was, or excuse me, a rolling rack of clothes to sort of express a move through space. And it was about bullying. And then their second set was included Jumpin' Jumpin'. Yes. And it was so aiming because we all contain (laughs) multitudes and everyone's like, oh, buses are dramatic and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have to be. Honestly, like we love joy and we love creative arranging and we love self-expression. And and I think that that is something I take really seriously when I'm coming up with the themes for boss. My focus is that you can make what you want. Exactly. We've had crying. We've had laughing, (laughs) like straight up parties. We've had loop stations with all sorts of extra gear stuff run through computers. Anything goes and has been tried at Boss. You know what? I'm so glad that we we have you guys on the show because I'm not necessarily saying that this is just the perspective of everyone, but I think a lot of viewpoints were that, you know, it's very artsy, it's very unusual kind of performances, things like that. And I'm glad that you guys are clarifying what the intent of it is, because I I think sometimes we get a little lost in our own interpretations of of something. And so it's it's good to hear this for sure. I do want to kind of slightly change gears because as you mentioned, boss, there's so many different aspects, so many different layers to it. And it's not just competition. You do have the workshops, you do have the professional performance, and you have awards. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. Awards are such a big part of what Boss is about just because you do announce the Caras, you know, the Contemporary Acapella Recording Awards there. And I'm curious for the both of you, because because to many in the acapella community, Boss is just kind of often held as like the Grammys of the acapella community. Or at least that's the conversations I've had with people. That's how we kind of <laughs> look at it. And I'm guessing based on the expressions here, you guys don't view it the same well, way. I but... mean, so to an extent, yeah. The Caras have often classically been referred to as the Grammys of acapella because that's the, the time we have to recognize the recordings throughout the year, the people who've produced them, stuff like that. And that had always been done entirely remotely. You know, people submit music to a website, nominators and judges go through the process, and then a list is posted at midnight on a given day. <laughs> like, that's just how it always was. Right. Yeah. But one of the big selling points as Boss was coming into existence was we were going to, for the first time, announce some of the cars live. And the first year we did it throughout the Scholastic competition. And then we did some at the intermission. And then over the years, we had a little pre-reception before the competition. And then we had an entire show before the pro concert. We did that for a while on Saturdays. That was it. The setup and breakdown, two shows in a row on Ooh, the same day. What a gotta be rough. Yeah. But we did that for a number of years and we were very creative about it. And then we've gotten to the point where Boss is Friday night competition, Saturday classes, Saturday night show, and then Sunday morning brunch caras. I view that as our ideal final form. It's just the the whole picture. We as a community celebrate each other and the work and the music 
and then also get together and look fancy and walk a red carpet, which I physically own a like 30 foot red carpet that is rolled up in the no back of my way. house. We bring it out every year. for quite some time and now it lives with Alexander. So it's only pulled out for this one event, just one so time. Literally so, just, so it literally just, it lives in my, like in my back. Is what you're saying. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's about the best replication we can do. Yeah. But yeah. brunch. Yeah, we're so now we brunch do, in acapella, come on. So now the first, some of the years we did, you could buy just a red carpet ticket if you want to just like walk the step and repeat, get professional photos taken, hang out, look pretty, whatever. You don't even have to go to the cars. We just want to look fancy. And now it's like you buy your brunch tickets at a restaurant that opens up private for us. Amazing brunch buffet. The attire instead of red carpet, it doesn't have to be black tie. We do like, you know, brunch chic, cocktail chic, look cool, look comfortable, be confident, like whatever you want to do. Get some photos. It's not like sweats, unless it's like designer sweats. I don't know. Gucci sweats. Joggers. I think we need to go. Oh, yes. I'm like like mentally planning all of this out of my head right now. I'm like ready. I'm like, I'm doing the brunch. It's a full weekend event, and the brunch is the way to top it off. (laughs) It is good, too. Like, we're all kind of weird about We're pretty snobby. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to say, I'm not snobby about food, but I will not pay for food I don't want to eat. And I will happily pay for that brunch it is good okay so it's worth it it's worth it yeah so always boss just seems to have it all you have the competition you have the concert with headliners who i would be kicking myself if i didn't say this one of our former guests was a headliner this year postier yeah and they're they're actually the first two-time boss headliner like they're the only group in our 10-year history that we've had back a second time we've grown and they've grown and it just really fit they essentially without even us telling them made a theme for their concert as though it was our competition like they came up with a theme (laughs) for their show they built a concert around it they got yeah. funding from various institutions in Denmark and so they cool. produced yeah. a full concert with projections well, and like all their original music. And they were like, this is the name of the show and here's what I it means to us. Year. And they are amazingly talented. So I, I yeah. can't say that that necessarily surprises me. I was going to say the same thing. I'm like, they <laughs> yeah. feel like the group that would do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's why they're so perfect for us. <laughs> so you've got the competition, you've got the concert with headliners, you've got classes and workshops, and you have brunch. How do you make this all happen? How much time goes into your planning process? How do you Honestly, ensure that this is successful? It's friendship. I'm not going to lie. Our core it's the boss power team, of friendship. And that sounds really reductive and silly, and I feel really <laughs> cheesy saying it. Can we just have a laugh that I said that? But like the core boss team has been in place since the beginning. There are quite a few of us who've been there in the beginning, and the rest of the people who are on the team kind of feel like they have been there in some way. There's a lot of buy-in and personal responsibility and it's all collective. It's not somebody is hired from an outside position to do a specific role and they only do their role on a given workforce. It's not that group project in school where you've got one person. Where one person has to do everything. No. There's certainly people that, you know, I can say probably Alexander and I and certainly other people on our team can say it has felt like the group project at school. But the fact is you have to call your friend and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, a good thing or a bad thing to say, listen, I'm holding you personally accountable for work that we collectively have committed to doing if we're not going to commit to this tell me so we can find somebody else and I think that that, like I give so much credit to our team and we're finally in a really great spot too like Maroon Mogos is wonderful to work for we really really appreciate her as director of events of Casa because she listens to us and like lets us she wants us to do our thing she has said that many. she encourages us to continue being weird and different and supports us in that and it's worked out we feel really lucky that she's in the role that she's in we really do and I'll give 
give like I also want to give a quick shout out to Yasi Mohabi on this call. Like Yasi was, I think, for Virtual Boss, a real like linchpin in making sure that this year worked for us. And she hasn't been there since the beginning, but she is just so central and necessary for us functioning as a team, I think, at this point. And I always want to like make sure I recognize her. And Alex Green, who handles education. And I mean, our whole team is wonderful. Like, And we're, we're all friends outside of it. And that's, yeah. I think, what it comes down that's to a lot is that on. we agreed to do this. And we were, some of us were friends before. Some of us became friends through it. Some of us brought our friends in who we trusted to make these mm-hmm. things better. Like I said, I started doing graphics for Boss originally. And then when I met and became friends with Yasi, we sort of pulled her in and I trusted her to hand <laughs> off everything and like not do it. And so it's a very generous reduction of her job to say she's like graphic designer, graphics coordinator, because she's way more. You know, she did a website overhaul. She updated all the graphics, made things more compatible, more current. She learned video editing to make our little promo videos this year. She's probably put in, I want to say, more hands-on time than almost any of us in this past year, especially. She does all the social media. She makes all the graphics. She does other graphic stuff for Casa as a whole. She built and customized the various websites we've had over the last few years. It's pretty unreal and I just have to like every so often I get to like approve stuff. So it, it sounds like the people that's a part of the team just really feel passionate basically about boss and from what I'm seeing and I haven't been there personally but what I'm able just to even gauge from you know uh, a digital perspective of it I can feel the people behind it I feel like what you guys are putting out it makes sense and it feels like everybody who's a part of it is just connected wonderfully with it and you guys are exuding this feeling and the spirit to it that just makes sense for the for everything that you're The necessary Mm buy-in, right, from us then engenders and creates a community that allows us to keep doing the rest of the things. So you're talking about the whole festival from start to finish. I mean, the way that the competition works would not work. First of all, it's not scalable. And second of all, it wouldn't work if we didn't have almost unimpeachable judges. We have to have unimpeachable judges to make our format work. And we do because the buy-in's there because they know me, because I'm the adjudication director for Varsity Vocals, but also because they know Alexander and they know Ace and they know these people and they know that we care about this. So they take it as seriously as we do. And the same also goes for education. We're really, really fortunate that the cost team, but also the the immediate boss team can make asks of educators and say, sure, we ask everyone to apply, but if we are missing a class, you know, for example, we wanted a one-on-one beatboxing class, we reached out to Bijal Khatri and said, hey, listen, would you be willing to do this? And Bijal immediately was like, yes, I'll do this a couple years ago and now continues to be a part of the festival. And I think we have to acknowledge that this is a team effort, but then the team extends to our educators, to our volunteer judges, to the people who are willing to take photos of the CARAs, to be part of the voting process of the CARAs. Like, we couldn't do this. Alexander's part of the CARAs team, and I think that that's, you know, they're so also integral to making our whole festival weekend feel like what it is and what it will continue to be. And Yeah, it just sounds like you have so many people that are just willing to, like, lend a hand and just kind of do their part with this. And, man, that that's so different from, like I said, any other event, basically, and especially when you tie into educational It's aspect. not, though. It's... Every, it takes a village. It really does. We're just particularly weird and passionate (laughs) about weird things. So that's where it comes off. Like it's always going to take a whole small army of people to make any event go. We just have a very tight knit and long lasting established group of people. Well, and the nerd in me just has to say this. You have to get the right people 
on the bus in the right seats. That's a good way of putting it. Here's the thing. We're going to keep driving that bus and then probably eventually we'll just we'll ride all off the jump cliff. off. The, at, we'll either stay in it and drive off a cliff or we'll all jump out at the same time yeah, exactly. and let it roll yeah, off the cliff. I think once someone asked me recently, they said to me, when do you think Coots is going to retire? I said, I'm sorry. Why don't you ask me when I'm going to retire? <laughs> My answer is, yeah. is when Emily lets me. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Okay. That's the thing is that it's all connected. So, yeah, I don't, I certainly don't want to do this role without the team that we have. Yeah. I just really care and adore. And the additions that we've added in the last couple of years have also been really wonderful. And I just think that Boss is special because of the people. And I think that that ties back in to the acapella groups. They're special because of the people. We do this because of the people. Right. And whether you're talking about a job or you're talking about an event, it's great to enjoy the work. But like you're saying, it's the people. You stay at a job or you stay at a place because of the people. That's what it's truly about. Thanks for sticking with us. We are back on our final segment tonight on Tacapella with Emily Flanders and Alexander Katsukis from the Boss Executive Team. And we're going to have some fun with some rapid fire questions. So Emily and Alexander, are you ready? Probably not. Brian, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Question number one. What is your go-to karaoke song? Not karaoke. (laughs) That's the first time we've had someone answer with that. I'm the Only One by Melissa Etheridge or Redneck Woman by Gretchen Wilson. But probably not. When you're competing for money. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah. I have randomly won money a few times, whether I knew I was competing or not. One time, a stranger gave me $100. For singing karaoke? Yeah. Wow. Wow. The most I... I thought it was two $5 bills and it was two fifty. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Okay, I'm going to the wrong karaoke spots here. All right, question number two. If you could eat one thing, only one thing, for the rest of your life, what would it be? I have two answers. If that's okay. One savory meal. I'm just going to broadly say pasta, which is very predictable for me. (laughs) Incredibly predictable. Other category of sweet things. I'm also going to go very broad with ice cream. If I need to get slightly more specific, Jenny's ice cream. Jenny's. Is that like a a regional? Jenny's is a specialty out of Ohio that is now nationwide. I'm doing a commercial for them right now. I I don't know how many people, I have friends I have like forced to seek out and try Jenny's at this point, but it's a lot and it's very (laughs) worth it. J-E-N-I. Jenny's. Yeah. I recommend the Brambleberry Crisp to start. Okay. It's a new ice cream to try out. I like it. All right. What about you, Emily? I'm woefully unprepared for this question. (laughs) I want to say just like a perfect summer heirloom tomato, but that's not probably what my husband would say that I would have. I don't know. (laughs) And then on the sweet side of things, I was actually thinking, because I don't bake or make desserts, but I love like a squidgy custard situation like a flan or pudding or something and Creme i was brulee, thinking maybe? like i oh, like yes. brulee but i don't need the top anymore very mm-hmm. late 80s early mm-hmm. 90s so i'm thinking like take some passion fruit on the top and then like a custard like a solid custard mm-hmm. would okay. just be yeah but i think the perfect summer tomato is probably much better <laughs> I like both as this works. Would you eat it like an apple or would you slice no. it? And what, I would what do you... slice it and do any, but they said only one thing for the rest of your life. There's a lot of interpretations like... of that. That's true. Right. You yeah. can't use that as a base for anything. It's yeah. not like I could take the tomato and add like perfect burrata or something. I don't know. <laughs> this is not a fair this question. I mean, I... I'm a fan of the pasta answer because that's probably what I would do too. Versatile. Cats or dogs? Both. That's a false dichotomy. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a perfect question, but we are, are the boss team. Is, that's how you're interpreting yeah. it. I'm going to say cats because they won't drag me outside. That's fair. But I don't want to take care of a pet right now. Cats, dogs, iguanas. We are purchasing a house right now, and oh, there are yes. chickens that are coming with the yes. house, so I will be a chicken owner. Nice. I love the whole that. Farm. That's awesome. Cool. Not a farm. Iguanas aren't on a farm. What, what kind of 
farms do they have in the North chickens. Texas? Iguanas. <laughs> Iguana hey, farm. I've seen some random animals out like in the middle of nowhere, so I'm I not judging. I grew up with a three-toed box turtle. I refuse to what? adhere to the There's debate. no rules. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. This yeah. makes so much sense now. There's one rule. My mother always said you cannot have a pet that eats things that are cuter than it is. And I oh. said, that's not fair. And that's an assumption of what the word cute means. And she said, I didn't raise you to be this smart. And she knew what I, because I really wanted a snake. Uh, okay. And snakes eat rats. And rats are pretty cute or and smart. baby mice. Did you yeah. know which is what rats laugh when you tickle them? They do. They're really cute. What? Fun fact. Yeah. Very, very advanced tiny brains. I rescued a snake from, like, it fell into a pool. And I rescued one and had it for just long enough till it started eating tiny baby mice. Mm-hmm. And then my mother was like, you have to release it back into the the ravine from whence it came and i was like bye wendy all right man i'm learning so much rapid question jokes on you yeah you guys are definitely not abiding by that here here we go next question (laughs) movies or tv shows tv shows books (laughs) you know we should have let emily just like write video video games it's video games then video we got books and video games okay all right no i think television right now because television is not really tv anymore you can have short and long format i think that that's yeah. true yeah tv shows i watch a lot of anime things that are you know oh, nice. shorter compressed periods of time it's just it's my husband digest asked me to watch episodes. demon slayer demon slayer is fantastic so I just watched would like to show, see the movie and it's great he wanted me to watch it so that we can go see the movie so yeah i'm gonna miss going the movie, movie unfortunately it's for actually, now it's still in theaters here yeah i'm not fully vaccinated yet that's fair i am it's, that's a luxury i yeah. wish i could see it in theaters um, but the series itself fantastic really good yeah i i'm looking over here that's my tv anyway okay question number five would you rather fly somewhere or take a road trip it depends i'm gonna say road trip just to get the other side of it here because i also do that enough I like driving. I've driven halfway across the country a bunch of times. I'll drive for roller coasters. I'm with you on There that. you go. Yeah, me too. All right. I don't like to drive, and <laughs> I like other people to drive me, and I love the sort of cross-section of individuals, and I like getting dressed up to fly. And for a little while, I was flying so often that I had a signature drink port at O'Hare. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's a lot of flying. Because I was in the same terminal over and over and oh over again, gosh. and I wanted pineapple juice and and a little bit of seltzer, and then like mezcal. And there was a woman who would make it for me, and I, I named it after her. And so oh. I would just order it, and she knew to make it. Oh and my goodness. there was like a note inside the fridge. There are too many details there for that not to be believable. So I believe you. Do you have people out in these streets <laughs> lying on Takapella? You know what? I don't know that everyone's life here, so I just believe what they tell me. They so. come to your show, and they're just like, hey, they're like, hey, everything. we're on a po- I'm going to be on a podcast. You know, I got to make myself seem however, so. Seem cool. Yeah, well, those of you who are listening, Alexander and I both shaved our heads for Boss. It was pretty impressive. I would never. Uh, Wait, what year? This year. Right now. Right now, our heads are shaved. You can't see the video, so they wouldn't know. All right, what was the first concert you ever attended? Aerosmith on New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. Nice. Sometime in the 90s. I was very young. Boys to Men. Nice. If we're not talking classical or opera, it was Boys to Men. Love it. In general, what was the first one? Oh, I don't know. I've been going to... My parents sang in the opera chorus when I was growing up. Ah. So, like, they would take me to rehearsals because I was the well-behaved child. And, like, I would just sit with my book. (laughs) I love that. Aerosmith. That's so much cooler. Yeah, it was was pretty badass. My first concert I went to by myself was Fiona Apple, and I'm very proud. Would you rather be a bird or a fish? Bird. Bird. All right. Pretty easy. Simple enough. Much. I can see that. Yeah. Quick, Emily, top five birds you hate. Oh, yeah, you know I have this. What? One, wild turkeys, the worst, basically murder birds. I hate them a lot. 
Two, geese, why are they so rude? What is your problem, geese? Get out of my way. Sharp teeth dinosaurs. That's all they are. Yes, because birds, large birds, are basically dinosaurs. Learn your science. I took a dino bio class in college. Number three, hot take, and you need to follow me on this one, peacocks. Peacocks are rude. They are rude. They do not care about you. And they They love themselves too much. They love themselves too much. Disrespectful, misogynist. And have you heard them scream? Have you heard them scream? You're going to Google it later. You know it. Yeah, I have to. like if anyone has a sample of a peacock screaming for it to be inserted here everyone be quiet and there you go he is setting me up because he knows i have five birds i hate how many was that that was, that three. was just three we don't have to keep no, going because but yeah. that was fantastic I, I don't know what to say wow. we've been friends a long time I just, he knows how i wow. feel that's amazing that, that was, was impressive it was what is your most prized possession I don't. I mean, is it sentimental? Is it value? Like, what is value? Value is yeah, what you make I don't... it. My most used non-work essential item currently is my Nintendo Switch. That's important mm-hmm. right now. It's gotten us through some tough times. Of course, yeah. Thanks, COVID. Yeah. Emily, you're thinking way too hard about this. <laughs> no, no, it's not that I'm thinking too way too hard. I have to be honest. I'm a person who loves things. Mm-hmm. Like, I love acquiring things. I like shopping. I love being able to touch things. But I am not so precious about any one thing that I could not just leave it. Like, I think that, like, I'm much more a person who cares about moments or people. Pick your, so pick your favorite pair of shoes oh. and describe how you got them. Okay. <laughs> That's easy. So I found this beautiful pair of six-inch embroidered floral heels. They are this big. Wow. And I found them online years ago, many years ago. And there was their Charlotte Olympia. I'm obsessed with them. And I found a pair that was on sale like second hand and I sent them to my best friend and I was like how fabulous are these I cannot believe they're my size but they were still you know too expensive and it was a dreary day in January I just moved to Chicago I was a little lonely and I really was missing her and my best friend I mean I come home and there's this box on my front porch and I wasn't expecting anything and inside the box were the shoes with a note that said you know I like to randomly send you flowers Amy Miller is not in the acapella community mm-hmm. so no one knows her but it's that moment where you know that someone cares about you so much like that that's what those are to me and that she knew that they were my size and that I would love them and cherish them like yeah so that's those that's my favorite pair of shoes I would say that's a that's a pretty prized possession I would say yeah but I mean but we're not gonna rank our favorite children you know (laughs) oh we would never do that on the show friends are friends are a tier right Mm -hmm. it's not like a best friend is a tier not a person gosh I can rank maybe that pair is my favorite (laughs) pair of shoes but I have so many good ones I get it what is a song that always puts you in a good mood I don't know I don't want to say I'm not affected by music but like my <laughs> moods are like pretty <laughs> consistent I can feel something but it's not like my mood's gonna change in college I had some roommates and we had a thing with Party in the USA where that would just get like blasted through the house for like the entire year oh my gosh that's like a pleasant memory but I love good pop music like that and mm-hmm. I didn't like it when I was growing up so I really did double time making up for that if I hear basically any Kelly Clarkson like, that's a good thing. Okay. I know exactly what song it is because I'm laughing just thinking about it. If you have ever heard Toad singing Chandelier. <laughs> just, it it's is, more to Google. Listeners, no. readers, everyone on this podcast, please immediately go to the internet and make sure you get to the chorus. That's all I have to say yeah. because all you have to do is say, hey, Emily, Toad singing Chandelier and I will just be in stitches. And then the holiday follow-up, Toad singing All I Want for Christmas is You. Is this like a whole album thing here? 
This is a no, YouTube just... channel of somebody doing Toad's voice, like Toad from Super Mario. Oh, oh okay. This makes so yes. much more yeah. sense. Yes. Okay. So imagine Toad screeching oh, your favorite songs. Oh my god. And all I have to say is that, like, I'm not a gamer, but my brother really loved Nintendo growing up. Like, we got Nintendo Power at the house and all those things. And so I'm loosely familiar with all of the sort of Nintendo characters. When I saw this video, I just think about it and it, it makes me laugh without having to hear it without needing anything so yes that is the song that changes my mood that like makes that toad singing chandelier love it okay i'm checking it out final question what is your phone screen wallpaper it's a picture of diana galliano super up close looking terrified random okay I think it's just geometric purple blue stuff it's probably one of the standard android wallpapers it's nice i like shapes i like colors nothing too flashy nothing in the way of my just wall of organized apps perfect well thank you guys so much we're just going to change that to 10 questions that we asked you all and it's not really right <laughs> but no. i feel like we needed that we learned a lot and i have some homework to do now so that's oh, great yes we do rapid fire questions for you if you were a muppet what muppet would you be <laughs> what is gonzo a muppet work. that is the first one that came to mind alicia i would probably be fozzy the bear i don't know excellent work awesome. all right sandwich of choice <laughs> What? Turkey bacon. Oh my mm. goodness. I wasn't mm. say anything with turkey on it. I like turkey sandwiches. You can get on a plane and go anywhere. Where are you going tomorrow? Ghana. Brazil. You are so much better at this than- <laughs> if, if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Oh, strawberry, easily. Toffee crunch. I'm not expecting that from you, Alicia. I just- I don't know why, the, but- It's the one I eat the most, so- So you are what you eat. Yeah. And any more before we move on, or- Alexander, wait, <laughs> what is that? What is that fingery fruit? The yellow fingery fruit? It looks like a- like a- Oh, Buddha's hand. I would be Buddha's hand. Ice Buddha's cream. Hand. As ice cream? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even it's know if it would make it. It's a... so good. Yeah. Good. Okay. Oh, we'll man. try that sometime. We made sweet corn ice cream that one time. Do you know that they had a sweet corn ice cream? Because I'm corn-fed, well-bred Midwestern. Mm -hmm. And they had a sweet corn ice cream at the local ice cream shop where I grew up. And they called it corn on the cow. Okay, yeah. so anyway, okay. what's your favorite format of corn? <laughs> is oh. it creamed? Is it kernels? Is it on the cob? Is it bread? I would do popped. Okay, I'm a little bit weird. I like cream style corn. No one else likes it, though, for some random reason. That's not true. The South loves it. Do they? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I'm I have a hard not... time finding people that like prefer it. Not a big fan of corn. It's got the it's, texture. It's got it's, the sweetness. It's, it's, I don't like the texture of corn and I don't like the texture of a lot of different vegetables. So it's, okay. that's a tough one for me. I guess corn's not really a vegetable, is it? I think it's a vegetable. I mean, it's like a seed. External seeds. A, yeah, I think yeah. it's a vegetable. Or I think of it, like yeah, that, I, I think know. of it more like, I don't know, something that's not that healthy. I don't know, but I don't what? really eat it. <laughs> it is my go-to vegetable. I will eat corn over anything. Probably. Carrots. I had like popped water lilies the other day what? in lieu of popcorn and it's prohibitively expensive. It's not like you could just like buy tons of pop water lilies. I, you know, we pop our own corn at my house, but it was very nice to have something that was popped texture wise oh. and not the kernels in the teeth. That sounds wow. so interesting. I didn't know that existed. Wow. Also hot sauce on popcorn. Very good. Yeah. Huh. I, I saw an entire, entire so article the other day that was, that was just down. sauce your popcorn. That was like the entire headline of the article. I make chopped corn pretty frequently which is that you take like a South Asian spice mix like a chat and you put that and I love it because my beloved will come in and be like do you want popcorn and I'll be like yes and he's like do you want chat corn and I'll be like yes I do I have this tamarind hot sauce that I've been very uh -huh. into wow. lately see you're it's... giving me hope for popcorn I'm not a popcorn guy because it just always really? feels way too dry but now that I know oh, that you got an interesting stuff it. yeah wow. wet popcorn Ooh. that's where it's at so thank you all so much for that round of somewhat rapid fire questions as per tradition <laughs> around here we always like fun. to end the show 
with some advice. We like to offer our listeners something that they can walk away with. And so we're going to pose that question to our two guests today. If you could offer our listeners some advice, what would you say? Just do the thing. Whatever the thing is that you want to do, do it. Share it with people. Reach out to people about it. I've been producing acapella music for about 10 years at this point, and there are new people. People come and go. People are looking for job opportunities or internships. There isn't a standard path for any of this stuff. Sometimes you just have to do it and you have to talk to the people who you see doing it. And we want to hear from people. We want to share things with people, but we don't know who wants to do it. We don't know who to ask to do it. We don't know who wants to know anything. And so just do the thing, make the music. Make something new, make something different. It might not be good the first time, but you gotta, you gotta do the thing and then send it to somebody and get better. Well, you took mine. I was going to say, <laughs> just try. I will extend that. A lot of people talk about thinking outside the box. In order to do so, you have to be pretty familiar with the box to do so. So learn about the box before you try to think outside of it. Then pick it up, toss it in the air, put it down and go in the other room for a little while. Really exploring what the capacity of the mind can do both artistically and outside of that will only serve you well. And if you really, really try, as Alexander is saying, and do the thing, I don't think you'll have any regrets. Wonderful advice. Thank you all so much for that. If our listeners wanted to learn more about each of you or learn more about Boss or learn more about Casa or anything else going on in your life's work, could they go? You can find us on various social media platforms. Boss would be Boss Aka most of the time, bossandsings.com. My personal work would be, I am half of Plaid Productions, so plaidacapella.com. It's pretty easy to find us. I'm available at mflanvv on Twitter and Instagram at emilyatcasa.org or Emily at Varsity Vocals. And I will encourage anyone who is an arranger uh, at the collegiate level or really, really loves acapella music and has some basic theory and things like that. I'm also the adjudication director of Varsity Vocals. And so if you're interested in getting involved as a judge, please do apply at varsityvocals.com. Thank you so much for that information. Alicia, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you, where could they go? You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is e.squared1989. How about you, Brian? You can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I. And please go check out Tacapella's Twitter page at Tacapella 2P's 2Ls and check out our website at tacapella.org. And of course, be sure to go follow Acaville Radio. They're the wonderful platform through which we stream the show through. We want to thank Alexander and Emily so much for this crazy, wonderful, amazing episode. It was a bit wild. It was a bit chaotic, but it was so informative. We had a great time. We loved every second of it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. So welcome. For everything else, stay tuned.